So this morning, we're continuing on in our series on spiritual gifts, and we're currently looking at the manifestational, the manifestational gifts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're looking at words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of faith, which we looked at last week, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, unknown languages, and tongues with interpretation. So last week, Pastor Andrew uh, talked about the gift of, gift of faith and how the gift of faith works in our lives. So if you weren't here last week, I would highly encourage you to go onto the Facebook page or YouTube page and check that sermon out just so you kind of can get caught up. So this morning we're going to be talking about speaking in tongues and the gift of interpretation. So Dr. Dr. Andrew Newberg, a neuroscientist from the University of Pennsylvania, decided to conduct a study on speaking in tongues. Dr. Newberg's goal was to scan and measure a Christian's brain activities while speaking in tongues. Dr. Newberg's study found that activities in the front of the brain, like like where the personality is at, thinking, planning, and problem solving decreased as somebody spoke in tongues. Dr. Newberg also found that the back of the brain had increased activity. So this is the area where sensory information is taken in, like touch, taste, smell, and sensation. When Dr. Newberg asked Christians a a series of questions about speaking in tongues, participants reported that they did not exercise control over the syllables that they were speaking as they flowed in the Holy Spirit. Participants reported that at all times, they had complete control over their pitch, their volume, their clarity of their voices and the words coming out of their mouths, and whether to pause or cease speaking in tongues. Participants also reported that the language that they were speaking was unknown to them. So Dr. Newberg noted that participants who spoke in tongues, and this came out of the study, rarely experienced any issues with mental health, stress, anxiety, high blood pressure, or depression, and they were more relaxed, and their overall health was better than most people. Sorry, I'm not saying anybody's not in good health today. So Dr. Newberg said the results of this study concluded that a supernatural experience was taking place with inside the brain. A supernatural experience that the doctor, he as a doctor, could not explain. So Dr. Newberg said this makes complete sense because speaking in tongues involves relinquishing control while having an intense supernatural experience and being taken over by the Spirit. So the Greek words, glossa, meaning tongues or languages, and laleo, meaning to speak, is where we get the English word glossalea from, or speaking in tongues. So the gift of tongues, I want everybody to understand this morning that the gift of tongues is one gift with three different expressions and three different purposes. And so the first gift is the proof tongue, the second gift is the personal tongue, and the third gift is the prophetic tongue. So the proof tongue is the supernatural ability to speak in a human language previously unknown to the person speaking it. So, for example, let's say I I don't speak any Japanese, and yet let's say I decide to go on a missionary trip to Japan. How am I going to share my faith or share the gospel with them? The only way I'm going to be able to share share the gospel with the people in Japanese is if the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers me to speak in Japanese and, and supernaturally empowers them to understand what I'm saying in their own language. Another example would be, Victoria's not here today, and I'm going to sound like I'm picking on her. Um, I only speak English. Victoria speaks both English and Spanish. 
if Victoria starts speaking in tongues in Spanish to me, I have no idea what she's saying unless the Holy Spirit empowers me to understand it in English or maybe he'll empower me to understand it in Spanish. But without, without, without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, I can't understand what she's communicating to me. So the first, the first recorded account of speaking in tongues is found in Acts chapter 2. This is where we find the first expression of the proof tongue being used. The proof tongue was meant, uh, was meant to benefit the unbeliever. The proof tongue requires no interpreter for the interpretation to be understood by the, believer, by the unbeliever. The unbelievers in Acts 2 heard their earthly languages being spoken by the believers. So here's a little bit of a background of what's going on here. So 40 days after Jesus' ascension, the 120 believers were meeting in the upper room in Acts, in Acts 1. They were waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit to come that Jesus had promised uh, 40 days earlier. As the believers prayed, there was a sound of a strong wind, visions of tongues, a fire descending upon them, and they began to speak with other known languages. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So why were tongues so crucial to the early church? Let's, we gotta go, we've got to back up to Matthew 28. So Matthew 28, Jesus has just commanded or commissioned the disciples to go out into all nations and make disciples before, right before his ascension. How, how were the believers who spoke Aramaic, so these, the believers that were in the upper room, how were they going to, they spoke Aramaic, Aramaic at the time, going to share the gospel, gospel with like the Egyptians or the Cretans? if they didn't speak the same human languages as the people they were trying to reach. So now we go down, let's read Acts chapter 2, verse 5 through 6. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So look at what just happened in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit removed the language barrier that had hindered the believers from sharing the gospel message with the crowds of people in Jerusalem. By removing that language barrier, the Holy Spirit made the gospel available to the Jews and Gentiles in Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 7 through 12, it says, They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Pyrgia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood, they were, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So the proof tongue was meant to be assigned to unbelievers. And the proof tongue was also meant to be assigned to the Jews that God had chosen to graft the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 10 and 19, you can reference that, both the Jews and Gentiles received the gift to speak in the proof tongue. 
So on the day of Pentecost, there was about 20 known languages spoken. And so if we compare that to today, in 2021, there's roughly about 7,117 languages spoken around the world. And according to Babel, the current top five languages spoken around the world, and this is no surprise, number one was English, number two was Chinese, number three was Indonesian, four was Spanish, and five was Arabic. And I honestly, when I looked at this, I thought, I really thought it would have been English and Spanish, number one and number two. So could you, I want you to imagine with me this morning how much more productive our missionaries would be in their evangelistic efforts if they didn't have to go to school to learn, say, German or Chinese to minister in these foreign countries that they're going to. What if the Holy Spirit instantly empowered our missionaries to speak in German or Chinese like the believers in Acts 2? In Acts 2, in Acts 2, no interpreter was needed because the proof tongue was unlearned human languages spoken by men to men. The Holy Spirit empowered each hearer to hear and understand the proof tongue in their native language. So we don't see the need um, for, an, for a tongues interpreter until the Bible transitions over to 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. So here's a little bit of background of what's going on. So in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, Paul addresses the church's misuse of spiritual gifts. The church members were trying to elevate certain gifts above others. So they were like, so it'd be like me and Andrew here this morning fighting over, he has the gift of prophecy and I have the gift to speak in tongues. He's like, man, my gift is awesome and it's more awesome than you. And I'm like, no, my gift's more awesome than you. And then we just finally come to the decision that it's just causing division in the body. So what they were doing was, by claiming that these certain gifts carried more spiritual power than others, the church was trying to put some, some of those spiritual gifts on the pedestal. The members, the members were arguing amongst themselves, saying, I'm better than you because I possess the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that the church was able to accomplish more spiritually with the gift of tongues versus the gift of prophecy. This tension was bringing about division in the church. In Paul's letter, he also points out the differences between, uh, the, between the personal tongue for self-edification and the prophetic tongue used for public edification. So scholars and theologians and historians agree that 99% of the spiritual gifts are meant to edify. So 99% of the spiritual gifts are meant to edify others and that only 1% is to edify self. So that's probably the personal tongue that we're going to talk about today. The second expression of speaking in tongues is the personal tongue, which benefits the individual. The personal tongue requires no interpreter or interpretation to be beneficial to the individual. No one but God understands the personal tongue. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 4 says, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So throughout the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul's contrasting the gift of prophecy to the gift of tongues. So that's why I didn't, do any, I didn't do exegesis on this today because I didn't want to go back and forth. He's also um, 
Yeah, he's just, he's contrasting the two gifts and what they're meant to do in the church. So the personal tongue only benefits the individual, and the personal tongue is meant for self-edification. The personal tongue may include praying, singing, and worshiping in tongues. Personal tongues do not require an interpretation. The personal tongue helps build up our relationship with the Holy Spirit and God, and it helps us draw closer to Him. So, for instance, we're going to talk about a cell phone here, because Andrew's been talking about cell phones. So I got 52% battery life, just so you know, left on my phone. So my cell phone requires charging, and currently the battery is at 52%. If I don't charge my phone up, it will go dead. I'll miss all those, all those so, so, so important phone calls and text messages and Facebook alerts. The only way my phone is going to stay charged up is if I plug into the Holy Spirit. So the personal tongue, I'm, I'm referencing the phone here to the Holy Spirit. So the personal tongue is meant to help us recharge our relationship with the Holy Spirit when we are feeling tired and worn out and we just need to be recharged. And it's to help us get plugged into them. And that's what the personal tongue does. So the personal tongue allows us to receive a vision. Could re- when you're praying in the personal tongues, you could receive a vision or revelation or direction for your personal lives today. The personal tongue helps us connect to God on a personal level. It helps us connect to God in, in deeper ways as Christians, and it helps us grow our faith. The personal tongue stimulates our faith. It releases our faith. It exercises our faith. The personal tongue strengthens us personally. So Jude chapter 1, verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. In Romans Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28, it says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. So what the Holy Spirit does is, we we can't ever pray that perfect prayer, but the Holy Spirit can pray that perfect prayer. So it doesn't matter what we pray. Even if our prayer doesn't seem perfect, the Holy Spirit takes our prayer and then prays it perfectly to the Father. So the third expression this morning is the prophetic tongue which benefits the whole church. It's meant to benefit the whole church. The prophetic tongue is understood by the church with the aid of an interpreter, and the prophetic tongue is meant for public edification. So the public, the public tongue, when spoken aloud, the public, it, it's, for, it's for public edification. It, it can be known languages or it can be unknown languages or heavenly languages. In all these cases, the tongues can be interpreted resulting in a message coming forth from the Holy Spirit. The message that comes forth from the Holy Spirit could be to uplift the church, it could be to encourage the church, or it could be a message for discipline and correction, and I've seen it go both ways in the church. It's not always going to be a feel-good message. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, I wish, you, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying, that the whole church be strengthened. 
And this is because Paul says in the chapter, I would rather speak five intelligible words than 1,000 unintelligible words because he wants you to understand, because you need meaning and understanding behind what's being said. And so Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13, so anyone who speaks in tongues should desire to pray also for the ability to interpret what is being said in the church. So the gift of interpretation is pretty straightforward when you're asking for it. Um, the, the gift of the interpretation is the supernatural ability to hear and interpret what the prophetic tongue speaker is speaking aloud. Next, the interpreter communicates the message that was spoken aloud to the church. So speaking in the prophetic tongue for public edification, when spoken aloud with an interpretation, can bring forth messages of exhortation, prophecy, a message of wisdom, a message of knowledge and instruction or direction for the church. So see how the prophetic tongue kind of works together with the other manifestational gifts? It can't, I should say it can. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 26 through 28 says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let me summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation. God has given one. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is being said. But everything that is done must be, must be done to strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if, one, but if, the, if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in the church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. So I kind of I put a hesitancy on that because I've seen situations where there's been a worship leader leading worship, and all of a sudden, they just start speaking in tongues, and then a message comes forth. I've seen, there was a situation where I was at an altar at another church, and the pastor was walking around, and he was praying in tongues while the worship team uh, was playing music, and while the ministry team was laying hands on, and he was just walking around, speaking in tongues, and he started getting messages for people as he was praying in tongues. So, I don't want to say that it can't come through that, but it, it most likely won't. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 9, Paul says it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they do not understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into the air. So the prophetic tongue with interpretation in the public setting is one of the methods that God uses to speak to Christians and unbelievers. Therefore, the interpreter's goal should always be to convey the message being spoken in the prophetic tongue to the people of God in a way that will help them understand his heart and his mind. So public tongues are meant to edify and strengthen the whole church, so all of you today, and to bring about unity in the body. And we've been talking about unity. Andrew's been on this subject for several months, and that's what it's meant to do. Therefore, our goal should always be to focus on using the prophetic tongue with interpretation to build up others and not ourselves. So, personal example, when I, was, I, when I was growing up, I grew up in a church, Pentecostal church on the south side of Des Moines. You guys have heard me talk about that before. There was a mother, there was a mother and daughter in the church. And every Sunday, they were like speaking in tongues and interpretation. And so what they would do was, the mother would speak in tongues one Sunday, and the daughter would interpret and then they would flip the following Sunday and the daughter would speak in tongues and the mom would do the interpretation. And this went on for, oh, a lot of Sundays, we'll say. 
And so eventually what, what was discovered by the pastor was that they were planning this out at home during the week. They were planning out what they were going to say, what the tongues were going to look like, and what the message was going to be. So eventually, so eventually um, they were caught faking tongues in the church, and the pastor had to pull them aside and correct them. And he instructed them, and he went in and he instructed them on, on the gifts proper uses in the church. I also had another situation where I was in a, another OBC church, and uh, there was a lady that went up three times during service at different points. There was an interpretation that came about each time, but it was disorderly, like it interrupted the pastor's sermon, it interrupted worship, it was just completely interrupting everything during service. And so I felt really bad because the pastor had to get up the next week in front of the congregation, and he was like, I need to sincerely apologize to you guys for what took place here last week. Not everything was of the Holy Spirit that was done here. He's like, I've, I've taken those individuals aside. I've had that discussion with them. I've instructed them on when the proper time is to use this gift. And, so, and I felt really bad for him because he had to get up there and apologize in front of 100 people that morning. So we got to use the gift. We got to use the gift correctly. So the prophetic tongue and interpretation, it, it can't be taught. And the prophetic tongue cannot be earned. The Holy, the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he sees fit and he sees for a need in the church. They are gifts given to the believer by the Holy Spirit to build up the church and others. So recently I was on a Facebook group and there was a guy who, he recently got saved. And he's like, I just got saved like three weeks ago. I'm a, I'm a baby Christian. I'm new to the faith. And he was asking this question. He says, my pastor and el the pastor and elders at my church pulled me in this past Sunday into their office and asked me to sit down in the chair. And he's like, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, man, I'm in trouble already. And the elders said, we need you to repeat after us. And so the elders go, and so the guy, the guy repeats back to them, and they're all like, praise God, brother, you're now saved in the Holy Spirit. You're fully saved now. You know, they're shaking his hand, they're hugging him, they're like having a big old party in the pastor's office because they're like, oh, you're fully saved now. Well, here's the thing. Our church doesn't believe that tongues is a, that it, it's required for salvation. And is, that, and is that biblical, that you're not fully saved until you speak in tongues? No. Speaking in tongues is not a salvation issue. And again, like I just said, our church doesn't believe that either. Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So who is the, who is the Spirit witnessing to here? He's, witness, he's witnessing to both believers and non-believers that we're God's children. He's witnessing to the world. The Bible doesn't say that the Holy Spirit waits until the believer speaks in tongues to witness to unbelievers or believers that were saved. It says at the time... Our spirit unites with the Holy Spirit, and that's, that's, he's witnessing at that point that we're saved. So how do you receive the personal prophetic tongue from the Holy Spirit? Obviously, the first step is to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. Same thing with the gift of interpretation. Believers, believers who have received the personal tongue or prophetic tongue reported that while they were praying, they were just doing simple everyday things that Christians do, like fasting, reading the Word of God, praying, and then all of a sudden they had this supernatural 
uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit baptizing them with the gift to speak in tongues. So some of the believers reported that they experienced a heat sensation all over their body like a cleansing fire. Believers reported that they experienced like a static, aesthetic like shock, electricity type feeling that flowed through their bodies. So when I say that static, I'm talking about like when you're touching somebody's shirt and you get like a, get like a little shock off of it or a shock off of the TV. That's what we're talking about there. Believers reported that they were weeping in the spirit. Believers reported that they were just simply studying their Bibles and praying on the front porch in a park or in a room of their house where a window was open. And suddenly a gust of wind just came over them and empowered them. Others reported that they received the gift of tongues through being prayed for at the altar, which included the laying on of hands. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse, verses 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple for the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So in these reports, it was like the Holy Spirit had to go in and cleanse their hearts and their minds and their entire spirit before they received the gift of tongues. The Holy, it was like the Holy Spirit had to go in and he's like, hey, your house is filthy. I've got to clean your house out before we can do anything here. We got to get we got to get everything organized. Acts two tells us that when the 120 believers received the proof tongue, they were relaxed. They were in total surrender to the Holy Spirit. The believers were praying in unity. They weren't they weren't trying to they weren't trying to force the tongues to come up on them. They weren't trying to birth something like a woman having a baby. They were just sitting there praying, relaxed in unity. So when you receive the personal tongue or the prophetic tongue, the words should just flow. The words will just start to flow from your heart and out of your mouth. So I want you to think about it like this this morning. We've all, we've all, drank, we've all drank pop at some point. If you shake it up or you drop it on the floor, what happens to it when you open it up? It just comes like gushing out at you. That, that, is what, that is what being filled with the Holy Spirit can feel like when you're full of the Spirit. Once you receive the gift to speak in the prophetic tongue, you feel the urge to just have to release it, to release those tongues. In Acts chapter 2, it says the believers spoke in the proof tongue as the Spirit came upon them. The Scripture doesn't say, or the, script, the Scripture does not say the Spirit spoke in the proof tongue. There's a difference. The believers, the believers spoke in the proof tongue because they made the choice to release the tongues from their mouths. And the Holy Spirit, he's not going to force himself upon you. He's never going to force you to do anything against your will. Speaking in tongues does require faith. And Andrew talked about faith last week. The Spirit, to see the Spirit, he leads us, he guides us as we practice speaking in tongues. Everything the Holy Spirit does in our lives include, involves our participation. We have to participate. We have to want to do it for him because we love God. It must be our choice to open up our mouths and release the words that he gives us. So think about it like this this morning. The water in your house is connected to the water pipes. You already have the water. The pressure is there, but the water will not come out until you open up the faucet by turning the knob to on or off. You are the one that has to decide if you're going to turn the knob on the faucet to on or off. We don't, we don't go and call the city to come out to our house every time we want to drink water. That, that would be insane. It's our choice if we want to turn the faucet knob on or off to get water. 
When we turn the water on, we get as much water as we want. And that's kind of how the Holy Spirit is. We don't have to turn him on, but he's always there. We can get as much of the Holy Spirit as we want. If the faucet is left off, we'll end up going thirsty, right? We're not, we're going to, yeah, we're going to be parched. Regardless, the, regardless of what, regardless, the water's still there. The Holy Spirit is still there. You cannot turn the Holy Spirit on or off. You have to make the decision to partner with the Holy Spirit. So Andrew talked about faith last week, but faith is needed to speak in tongues. Everything God does works through faith. It takes faith in the Holy Spirit to add meaning and sound to the words you are releasing from your mouth as the Holy Spirit fills you. Those sounds you release from your innermost being. The tongues are released as you speak them out. You must trust the Holy Spirit to give you the meaning and, the, to give you the meaning and then the sound will come out. So this morning, a lot of people, people choose not to exercise their gift of speaking in tongues because they're fearful that it may come from the flesh or be of a demonic nature. I have, I have honestly, I can honestly admit this, I have shied away from the gift or even desiring the gift because I have seen, seen it misused and abused and faked so much in the church that it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. But I'm hoping we can change that this morning. So if a person, so if a person is, if a person speaks aloud in the prophetic tongue and it sounds like gibberish, with repeated syllables like or or you hear someone speaking in the prophetic tongue like Fred Flintstone going then they are probably not speaking in the prophetic tongue from the Holy Spirit. They're more they're probably operating in the flesh. So some Christians have reported that when they received the, per, the personal or the prophetic tongue, they started off by just practicing with a few syllables, and then they prayed, and the Holy Spirit spoke to their mind, giving them syllables and little sounds. That just, he was giving them the syllables and sounds that they needed to get started. Initially, the syllables and sounds may sound like babble to us, and you may feel like a small child learning to speak. As they continued praying in the Spirit, in faith, those little sounds and syllables turned into words, and those words turned into sentences. So what does this look like this morning in a practical way? So there was a young girl who was learning how to pray. At first, she prayed with her father, and then her father let her pray on her own. And the father overhears her praying in her bedroom, and the little girl's reciting the alphabet. So the father was like, the, the father didn't think anything of it originally. He's just like, eh, whatever, she's just praying in the alphabet. The father then heard her again, and then the father was confused as to why she was reciting the alphabet when praying. So the dad asked her, why are you praying through the alphabet? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, etc. And she responded, dad it's, dad, it's real simple. I just give God the letters, and I'm trusting God to rearrange the letters the way he wants to give the words meaning. So the, more, the most important aspect of speaking in the prophetic tongue with interpretation is having a safe platform to practice the gift in. Just like with any of the spiritual gifts, there's going to, like Andrew was talking earlier, there's going to be a learning curve in learning how to properly use your gifts and how to use them at the right times. Andrew has done everything he can since coming to this church to try to make this church a safe place where people can come 
and they can explore their gifts and can exercise those gifts while being safe at the same time. So the thing I want to leave you with this morning is the gift of tongues, if you get anything out of this this morning, the gift of tongues is one gift with three different expressions and three different purposes. And we have, so we have the proof tongue, which is known languages. We have the personal tongue, which can be heavenly languages. And we have the prophetic tongue, which is unknown languages with interpretation. So I'm going to have the ministry team come up this morning. And if there's anybody that's in here this morning that, you know, you would like to possibly be prayed over to possibly receive the gift of speaking in tongues or to pray in tongues or to receive the gift of interpretation this morning, we'd be, we'd be happy to do that for you. Also, if you just need any prayer just in general this morning, please come up and we'll pray for you. Lord, Father in heaven, we just thank you for the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of interpretation, Lord. Lord, we, th- we hope that this message changed some um, minds today on this gift, Lord. Lord, this, this church has been praying for revival over the last two years, Lord. And Lord, this is one of the gifts that we need to make that revival happen, Father God. So Father, we just pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that as you see need, Lord, that there would be people that come forth this morning, Lord, out of this congregation that receive these gifts and bring these gifts into the body, Lord. Lord, we know that we know that every revival that's taken place over the last 120 years, Lord, in church history has included these has included the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation as part of it. So Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this church, Lord, and we say why not here and why not now? In Jesus mighty name we pray, and through the power of the Holy Spirit I say amen. You guys can go be productive for Jesus and if you need any prayer, go ahead and come up. <laughs>